is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to take a look at specific agendas, specific events that have emerged in America and around the world for the express purpose of driving us into a particular prearranged destination. So we could call these events in the term uh, manufactured crisis events. And manufactured crisis events are these mega crisis events that hit a nation, uh, a region, or they, they do something on a global level that <clears throat> uh, terrifies the national population and terrifies the global population into acquiescing, into throwing up their hands in resignation and surrendering, so to speak, giving in to the agenda of a, a largely invisible and largely uh, global, globalistic elite. And so everything is deferred into the decisions of this globalist elite. Now, I remember, and then before I forget the day that you're hearing this on uh, 911, and 911 was going through my mind to whatever degree. And uh, I'll never forget, as you will never forget, when you heard the announcements regarding the jets hitting the World Trade Center. And I remember at that time, I was commuting a combination of driving a car and a combination of taking the Metrolink train from northern Los Angeles <clears throat> County to um, uh, Orange County. And when I drove that commute, it would be 180 miles a day round trip. And the time it would take me to drive to the radio station and back, as I was doing the Paul McGuire show back then, uh, from Southern California and near the John Wayne Airport. And uh, it was 180 miles round trip, <clears throat> and the actual driving time could be anywhere from uh, six hours to eight hours or more, depending upon what traffic jam, what accident, what disaster had occurred. So at this particular day, I was, it was still dark out. I guess it was around 6 a.m., approximately 6 a.m., maybe it was 5 a.m., I can't remember. And I was, I was waiting with a lot of other commuters at the, uh, at the train station. And certain people, I did, at that time I didn't have a cell that could get uh, uh, television news feed coverage. But there were enough people at the train station that did have television news feed coverage, and they were showing everybody, including me, uh, they were showing us the, the pictures of these two giant jet planes uh, apparently hitting the World Trade Center and then collapsing. And, and, then, and then the news media like CBS and NBC, etc., would say repeated, repeatedly that their biggest uh, on-camera television personalities, the biggest they had, so at that time it was people like, uh, uh, I can't even remember their names for crying out loud. They were household <laughs> names at the time, and they're, they're forgotten largely at this time. So these, these were the biggest names in television news, and they were all saying in unison, because it was a spontaneous reactionary comment to what they were watching, which was the fact that the, the Trade Center buildings began to collapse and fall to the ground 
in place. So they didn't tip over to the right or left or whatever after the explosion. They they disintegrated and dropped in place. Now, for whatever reason in my life, I have I, I had seen before uh, uh, construction situations in different cities and different states that was televised. And so I had a very vivid memory, a number of very vivid memories of what that looks like when a building is deliberately detonated with high-power explosives. Uh, they're, they're, they're inserted within the building. The, the, the high-powered explosives are put near the, uh, the beams that hold up the skyscraper, et cetera, et cetera. So what happened was the, the TV commentators said that the planes hit the World Trade Center, and you all remember the sequence that you saw. It was first one plane and then another plane. And then the building, the skyscraper, or the trade centers, collapsed in place and eventually crumbled to the ground. Now, what struck me immediately, it probably struck you, what struck me immediately was the reality that this was a kind of a controlled demolition-looking explosion, the same exact kind of explosions that we see when contractors or construction people are are internally dynamiting or using C4 or some kind of other explosive. They're deliberately detonating the inner structure of a skyscraper so that when it drops, when it falls, it won't fall over, it won't, the debris won't uh, spread to different areas. It just, it just collapses eerily in place until it is in a pile of rubble. And so something of that order took place, at least that was the visual assessment of people. That was the spontaneous visual assessment of people who just happened to be watching TV and just happened to Catch the news. The, the overwhelming visual assessment from people, the, the initial reaction was that the, the trade centers, you know, were dropped in place and like a construction demolition, they collapsed in place. Now, that wasn't just my opinion and other people's opinion. Ironically, <clears throat> the three biggest newsmen at the time all said eerily similar things. Uh, when they saw the the jets crash into the trade centers and the trade centers drop in place spontaneously without any scripting or, or pre-planned uh, thoughts about it, these these news people just spontaneously said that it looks like one of these controlled demolition uh, construction uh, type things where they dynamite and blow up the the, the inside of the building. And so the building then just collapses in place. And they all used those words, and they all referred to the term controlled demolition. And then they all made the comment, just like uh, what you see in a, in a building site, where, where they're going to blow up a building, drop it internally, and, and put a new building in its place or whatever. They all, the three biggest network guys used that exact analogy of controlled demolition. So, so. Probably the predominant impression by the American people that morning was <clears throat> we were hit by some kind of terrorist attack, and they they somehow managed to drop the building, like in uh, controlled demolition, drop the buildings in place. 
and this is what the the news. Uh, I think that would be too too uh, elegant a term for for poorhouse journalists. So let's just call them for what they are. That would be too eloquent a term for poorhouse journalists who are only interested in spreading lies, making sure they continue their employment, and they know full well that in order to continue their employment at the level that they're currently experiencing, such as they are the big anchor men and women, they are the big, big, big shots in network news. And you, this is how you get to be the big, big, big shot in network news. You, you either say it out loud in the, in, in the form of an informal contract, or you don't have to say it, it's, it's implied. You don't, you don't end up <clears throat> walking through certain doors in your career uh, <clears throat> without signaling. And what we're talking about in the major media, media, mainstream media business. Main, mainstream media business is, is the worldwide center of propaganda news, propaganda news, social engineering. So everything that goes out over the airwaves or network television, now anything that goes out on major alternative media, has been the language, the talking points, all that stuff has been carefully crafted in, in terms of being propaganda worthy. And you only, in that position, you have agreed to only uh, speak forth the official, the officially approved narrative or the officially approved story. And you're not allowed to depart from that. And that's the way it works. So you don't even get close to the halls of power or the doors of power unless you have made arrangements earlier on and signaled to, to the right people earlier on that you're a guy or a girl that's willing to sell out and that you're willing to uh, play ball with whatever their agenda is. So that's the way it works, and it's, it was like that when I was a child. And, and if you were paying attention, you would remember that as a child also. I distinctly remembered, and I knew nothing about nothing back then. Okay, I'm talking about I was really young, once again, <clears throat> going back into my childhood. I was really young. And I kept seeing <clears throat> the liars over at CBS <clears throat> and the other liars do news reports, let's say, on the, the internal revolution going on in South Africa and the, the Marxist revolutionary that the globalist elite handpicked to to ignite a globalist, communist, socialist revolution in the nation of South Africa. And I remember, as a young, young kid, being very disturbed by an inner sense that I was being lied to, big time, that, that the facts and the stories were being manipulated. Now, there was no external source of information that I was reading or seeing or watching that would have caused me, in any way, shape, or form, to, to challenge the official narrative. It's just on, a, on an instinctual, primal level, it felt like I was being lied to. I felt like the whole Mandela thing was a bunch of you-know-what. And, and this is what I surmised as a, as a very young kid. What I surmised was that, the, remember, I, didn't, I can't emphasize to you enough about how, at, at this juncture in, in the time frame of my life, just how truly ignorant I was just how truly asleep and brainwashed I was. I was in the same condition. This, is, this has got to be first grade or something. I was in the condition that a very large number of Americans 
are now currently in that same condition where they're so brainwashed that they readily believe the lies, the narrative, and they're so brainwashed that they will readily think, do, act, behave, process your thoughts, agree with the propaganda. You'll, you'll fall right in line. And I was in that mindset. And that, by the way, is a brainwashed, socially engineered mindset. And that's where I was. So, but for whatever reason, mainly I think it's because I was taught by my parents to think outside of the box and think for myself. So I thought outside of the box. I, I used my critical thinking skills. And even back in first grade, the thoughts began to emerge in my mind that this, this showpiece, this theatrical play, this, this uh, drama, this psychodrama that I was watching involving Mandela and, and South Africa and all that stuff, it was, it was nothing more than the theater of propaganda, or as one of the, the proponents of the theater of propaganda, uh, I think his name was Antoine Artaud, and he was a Frenchman, and uh, he developed uh, what was called a form of guerrilla theater, and he developed theater as a form of shock therapy, where people would attend a very philosophically, socially, uh, uh, hyper-driven play that was designed to break down people's societal conditioning and, and alter their state of consciousness and let them see the, the truth. And then, of course, most of all, most important, they had to adhere to the <clears throat> ideology of the, um, the, the theater of cruelty, which was anarchism which was destruction of Judeo-Christian Western civilizations. So I began to realize that this entire thing was a farce. It was a, it was a manufactured crisis. It was a manufactured play designed to brainwash, socially engineer Americans in America and spread that brainwashing throughout the entire world. Now, <clears throat> that should be like basic meat and potatoes thinking for people. That should come naturally to them. And, and what we have is that we have the globalist elite, the Luciferian elite, the secret societies that are all interlocked and working together in unison. I'm talking about the World Economic Forum, the WEF. I'm talking about the Bilderberg Group, the WEF, and other, the WHO, World Health Organization. And I'm talking about these crisis events that they ignite for the purpose of driving our society into a particular self-destructive position. And so, so they were brainwashing us. And I could tell, even at that young, young age, that they were brainwashing us, and that the whole purpose of, of all the video we were seeing and music we were seeing and the civil rights struggle type stuff we were seeing, the whole purpose of it was to propagandize and program the minds of the television viewer, to program their minds to accept big government socialism as the answer to all of mankind's problems. And then also as an answer to all of mankind's problems, we had the building up of superstructures, superpower structures. They were artificially built up, like in the form of uh, Mystery Babylon, like in the form of uh, Mystery Babylon as a, as a political force, Mystery Babylon as an occultic religious force, and Mystery Babylon as a force for 
order out of chaos that was birthed in ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. So what was going on in South Africa was uh, a, a revisitation of this entire dynamic. And so uh, the purpose of it was to build this Luciferian, idealistic super society populated by supermen and superwomen who have been genetically modified, where high technology has been used to open up the portals which allow the entrance of fallen angels and demonic entities to enter the earth. That was the whole purpose. And so what I saw in the news pieces at the time of uh, uh, the propaganda and the Mandela thing and the African Socialist Revolutions, this is what I saw. I saw them. It's like it, it's like it was so clear in my mind. I could see just as clearly as they, as if they had mapped out a very clear plan, a very clear step-by-step plan about how they would redistribute the wealth of South Africa and how they would uh, uh, create a social revolution in South Africa that would cause uh, a rising up of a super-socialist, all-powerful super-state, and that they were using this Mandela thing as as a launching piece for that. Okay, it turned out to be true, because what they did in the most horrific ways, everything that I assessed as a very young and very naive, because I was as dumbed down as anybody else back then. So what I observed was that they uh, had every intention to destroy America from within. Now, who was they? I always couldn't figure out who they were, because it became apparent to me early on that they, this mysterious they that were planning to destroy America, They were transcendent of uh, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, leftists, communists, socialists. They transcended all of those uh, two-dimensional descriptions. And they uh, created a top-down civilization, which was the way ancient Babylon was created. They created a top-down civilization where the power flows down from the top, and then the, the people who are the elite, the globalist elite, the occult elite, the Illuminati elite, or whatever you want to call, call them, they are following the orders, lock, stock, and barrel, of the humanistic, occultic revolutionaries that are creating intentionally a new world order out of chaos. And I could see that. I could see them hammering home the message. As a young kid, I could see them hammering home the message of things like, we're going to redistribute the wealth. We're going to give everybody an equal opportunity to pay for their education. We're going to redistribute the wealth. We're going to uh, create new jobs for everybody. And we're going to rebuild or create a new world order uh, where everybody will have an equal right to health care, an equal right to whatever. It's all going to be redistributed. And then the lies that they use as propaganda. So people are naive, and in their state of naivete, they are uh, spoon-fed propaganda lies such as, you will own nothing, but you'll never be happier in your whole life. And I hear people repeat that. This is, what is the Great Reset going to give us or give me? And then they repeat the propaganda. Not the truth. They repeat the propaganda, which they have been told that 
in the propaganda, they have been told that uh, they're going to, you'll own nothing. And that is the basic formula for a communist Marxist state. In a communist Marxist state, you have no property rights, you have no right to own anything. So you'll own nothing. But then the second part of the statement is, you'll own nothing, but you'll never be happier in your whole life. You'll never be happier in your whole own life because you own nothing. That is the Communist Manifesto. That is the Marxist Manifesto. That is the Illuminati Manifesto. Now, let's just stop for a minute. This is why you've got to be educated, you've got to be up to speed, and you've got to come up to power. There is no shortcut to, to the simple formula. Knowledge is power. As long as you insist upon being an ignorant individual who's easily manipulated, you are going to be nothing more than a slave, slaving your life away for, for a cruel globalist elite. But, but you can circumvent that if you are aggressively acquire knowledge which gives you power. So you can circumvent your destiny as a slave by acquiring knowledge which gives you power. And so knowledge would be things like, well, what does the Bible have to say about all this kind of stuff? And the Bible says very clearly that if you start to acquire nonsense instead of knowledge for power, you're going to be socially engineered to be dumbed down. You will be brought down. You will be enslaved. You will live in some kind of prison camp. You will own absolutely nothing. And all the things that you were promised were like lollipops and good times and stuff. All the stuff you were promised turns out to be one lie after another. They are not going to fairly reproduce, uh, reproduce the wealth, uh, redistribute the wealth. That is not going to happen. That's a lie. They are not going to uh, uh, redistribute the wealth in terms of health care, redistribute the wealth in terms of, of uh, money and education and health care. And, and financial and business opportunities, they have no intention whatsoever of redistributing the wealth in an equitable and a fair manner. Being equitable, being fair, is not even remotely on the dinner plate of the globalist elite. Each sector of the globalist elite, each member of the globalist elite, wants one thing. They want, they want the total accumulation of power, and they want to be able to wield that power with no checks and balances. This totally, in terms of a Marxist dictatorship, they want to wield their power in that manner. And so everything they promise is a lie. So we can see it right now. We keep hearing these speeches from the, the top dogs of <clears throat> the uh, World Economic Forum, WEF, Klaus Schwab and the others, and they keep telling the global population, we're going to redistribute all the wealth, we're going to create paradise on Earth. These are the classic, overused communist propaganda statements that they were using 30, 40, 50 years ago when they first started to launch these communist revolutions. They launched them with these same lies by making these constant uh, repetitions and analogies between uh, the Great Reset and the fact that life now, because of the Great Reset, will be better than heaven on earth. Your life will be better than heaven on earth. Because you will now be free in the, in the purest communist sense. You will be totally free. You will own absolutely nothing. And yet, 
according to communism and the World Economic Forum, not only will you own absolutely nothing, but you will never be happier in your whole life. Now, this, this intoxicating, drug-fueled lie that, that ultimately is, is carefully stitched together by Satan and, and the, the, the servants of Satan, remember that all the key communist leaders in America and around the world, they have certain operating principles. They will propel their movement based on the continuous declaration of lies. And they will use any means necessary. They will tell any lies uh, possible, and they will tell any lies no matter how big, and no matter what the resistance is, what the challenge or the adversity is, they will keep telling you lies over and over again about how you're going to have paradise on earth uh, if you follow the game plan of the World Economic Forum. And that's it in a nutshell. That's it in a nutshell. So everything that's happening in the United States. So if you have a basic understanding of the Marxist, communist, Luciferian, globalist elite game plan, in other words, what their key strategies are, what they intend to do and how they intend to do it, and when you add up all of these things like a great puzzle piece, you see that without question, America, without question, has been under a kind of total political, spiritual, and social siege. We have been under all-out attack from highly trained communist revolutionaries, socialist revolutionaries, highly trained. Uh, they have been trained by learning how to employ all kinds of communist revolution scenarios. And they intend to accomplish their communist revolution by any means necessary. Because they don't believe, as communists, they don't believe in God. They don't believe in an absolute right and an absolute wrong. They, they don't believe in uh, heaven, hell. And think of that John Lennon song. John Lennon was brainwashed into being a communist and an occultist. And remember his famous song, Whenever the, the Ball Drops, in Central Park, not Central Park, in Times Square, New York, <clears throat> whenever that ball drops, the whole world and everybody in the audience at uh, uh, Times Square is singing that famous Beatles song that goes something like, imagine there's no heaven, you know, there's, there's no, imagine there's no nations, imagine that the world will be as one, when the world will be as one. So you hear this communist anthem song, celebrate, and, and it's being sung in the sense of a communist worship song to the god of communism, which is Karl Marx and men like him. And they're singing the song with the lyrics that are borrowed from, uh, uh, you know, celebrating New Year's Eve. And they're repeating it in, in like a religious mantra over and over again, because they are in, in the sense of religious ecstasy, they're anticipating a, a revolution on a global level that will free all of mankind from the tyranny of self, the tyranny of uh, capitalism, and so on and so forth. And so the only way to be free from this nightmare revolution, and it's a nightmare revolution because we have to remember, when you look at the facts, that the communist revolution, plain and simple, the communist revolution is 
a satanic Luciferian revolution. The communist revolution, every jot and tittle of the communist revolution, is built and based upon the teachings and writings of Karl Marx, the author of the Communist Manifesto. It's built on the teachings and writings of people like communist revolutionaries, like Bernadine Dorn and and uh, Bill, I forgot his name. They were boyfriend and girlfriend. They were good friends with Obama. Obama was a trained communist. Okay, so so as we analyze the, the metadata, the metadata is the massive all-out data download. So as we assimilate all this knowledge, all these facts, all these economic principles, we process them, and then we develop them into a coherent whole. We recognize, it's, it's blatantly obvious, that our nation has been under siege. Our nation has been under a direct siege, direct warfare, by hardcore, new age, occult, communist revolutionaries for the last 50 or 60 years or more. And that's why, you see, like for, for, for decade after decade after decade, I would ran, run, slam dunk into all these historical social enigmas that were paradoxical, and they didn't seem to make sense, and they, they ended up giving me more questions than answering questions. And it always had to do with the disparity or the digression between what communism and Marxism actually delivered to the masses in terms of benefits, and then, in contrast, what communism and Marxism actually took away from the, the, the communists and the Marxists. And you always have, in all of those situations, uh, a disparity. You have these golden claims of communism juxtapositioned with the with the high-level scrutiny of communism and the evil, the evil nature of Marxism and communism. So, let's just do a quick comparison. If we do a quick comparison, we realize very quickly that communist revolutionaries in America, let's just look at that very quickly. Now, I talk about this, and I give you a major download. It's really powerful stuff. It'll change your life and your loved one's life forever. And it's not something you will ever be taught in school. And you will be equipped as a spiritual soldier with power from one eye. And you will have the intellectual and the spiritual and the economic power to drop your enemies in their tracks. There is no excuse, and I'm going to be blunt. So if there's a young child or if you're easily offended by, by blunt language, I'm, I'm sorry up front. I'm giving you a warning. I'm going to count to 10. It'll be you know, somewhat vulgar. But I have to say it this way because I need, it needs to have a punch. And so pray for me that I'm making the right decision, and I don't want to offend somebody unnecessarily. But nor do I want to not deliver the truth with a punch, because that's the only way you can knock out the strongholds and knock out the enemy. So the critical thing here is that uh, the whole when you, the books that I write explain this whole process, and it goes back decades. Because remember, I was one of those suckers. I was one of those people who was conned into the communist revolution, the countercultural revolution. I my naivete was exploited by seasoned 
psychological communist warriors who were seeking to dismantle America as we know it and bring in a utopian Great Reset, a utopian New World Order. And, it, and all that utopian New World Order and heaven on earth was being heavily financed by communist activists beginning in the 50s and 40s and then ramping up in the 60s and 70s. And so remember, when you're trying to serve the Lord, even if it's imperfectly, God will honor, and I want to encourage you, so, so like, listen up. God, if you're searching for the truth, with the motive in your heart that you want the truth to help God's people, to help, help win souls for Christ, that, that is honorable in the sight of the Lord. Your aggressive pursuit of the truth is honorable in the sight of the Lord. And so God will bless you supernaturally in all kinds of areas because you went the extra mile and pursued the truth aggressively. So what I found out was, and this is, wasn't, see, when I was part of the revolution, that's what they called it, when I was part of the revolution, when I was hanging out with revolutionaries at 14, 15 years old, you know, it's a, I talk about the story in detail of how uh, I, I joined the Black Panther Party at the Black Panther Party headquarters. Then I had a, a, a tussle, if you will, with the head guy, because I, I took the bus to get down there to Black Panther headquarters, and then I was told, and I went, the reason I went down there is because the famous radical activist, Abby Hoffman, uh, who was my hero as a young child, and it turned out later, I didn't know it until decades later, that Abby Hoffman, a member of the Chicago 8, Abby Hoffman was a self-avowed communist revolutionary. So I was at a rally. I would often demonstrate right near where he was because it was a great way to learn how to start a revolution. So I, uh, Abby Hoffman said we need to we needed to contact our African American brothers and support them in their struggle. That was a key word in their struggle, and uh, and and join with them. So I said this to the guy in the Black Panther Party headquarters in New York. I said, I said, I told him what Abby Hoffman said, and and then I said, and, and then I said, well, I apologize, but. The, the the point is that as someone who is is white, a white American, it's against our bylaws and it's against the rules of the Black Panther Party for you to become a member of the Black Panther Party because that membership is only open to African American people. I was very polite, of course, and I simply said to him, uh, with as much diplomacy as I could, I simply said to him, you know, that's being prejudicial. That's that's being uh, you're you're you know you're discriminating against any white person who wants to join you in the, the struggle for liberation as African Americans. I said that's 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 discriminatory. And he paused and he thought about it. And you know he he, he wasn't angry at me. Now, to me this was like I was really young. It's like this this is a way of saying that I was like really. You know, Intense, and he could see through that. I mean, it was a smart. so. The thing is that uh, uh, he then came back to me and said, "He said we appreciate your willingness to to stand with the Black Panther Party." And he said, "Unfortunately, I cannot change the rules at a local level for the entire Black Panther Party, 
but he said, I'm going to make an exception in your place, and I'm going to today, at Black Panther headquarters, I'm going to give you an honorary membership into the Black Panther Party and exempt you from from not from not becoming a Black Panther. I'm going to exempt you from that um, because you're you're you want to stand with us. And as such, he said, I'm going to hereby make you an honorary member of the Black Panther Party. She did so so. He circumvented the rules and made me an honorary member of the Black Panther Party. So these things, I learned that, now this isn't regarding the Black Panther Party. This more is in relationship to the the, uh, white American revolutionaries like Abby Hoffman and all the others. Many who, who, they never said it publicly, like on the stage or on television. But privately, they would say it to their friends that we're Marxists, we're communists, we're, we're, uh, we're communist, Marxist, socialist revolutionaries. And they meant it. And they were highly trained, highly groomed by people like, like Abby Hoffman was personally groomed by uh, high-level communist intellectual leaders. Many of them were uh, high-level communist leaders who were uh, trained by the Frankfurt School Marxists in essentially the art of a of a socialist uh, uh, psychological warfare revolution for America. And so I remember many decades after I had become a Christian, political viewpoint had changed. Many years had passed by, and and somewhere in the in the echo chamber of the mainstream media. I, my ear caught hold of a story, and the story was this uh, aggressive announcement that the counterculture leader from the 1960s, Abby Hoffman, uh, that his body was discovered today, back then, dead, and that, uh, according to reports, he had uh, apparently committed, committed suicide. And then they quoted him before he died, and he, before he died, Abby Hoffman said, that uh, it's time for the world to know, and I don't want to hide this any longer, Abby Hoffman said, but I have always been 100% certifiable Marxist communist revolutionary. I have never merely been a socialist, he said. I've never merely been an activist, he said. He said, in in the core of my belief system, Abby Hoffman said to the whole world, in the core of my belief system, I am a committed and dedicated communist and Marxist revolution. And that, even though I knew that, you know, it stunned me that he would come out and say it. And it even stunned me further that he would come out and say it in light of the fact after fact after fact after fact after fact of one dismal and bleak announcement of the kind of world communism would usher in. Or the kind of world world that hardcore socialists would usher in. In every single case, hardcore communism, hardcore socialism, always ended up producing a miserable, violent, poverty-stricken dictatorship. A hundred percent of the time, it delivered a poverty-stricken dictatorship. So it was a nightmare, and and the Lord kept uh, inserting me into these 
environments where I would, quote, accidentally, I don't believe it was an accident, I believe God, it was the divine plan of God. In the divine plan of God, God kept having me through a kind of synchronicity. He kept having me encounter, meet, know, talk with, live right next door to some of the most powerful and influential counterculture leaders, out-of-the-box thinkers, etc., etc. The Lord just had me meet one after another, and that was like my real super education into what was really going on. Um, you know, he committed suicide. That could have been emotional reasons for that, chemical, neurological reasons for that. But from a philosophical perspective, I would suspect that an unusually high percentage of males and females who become communists and Marxists and socialists, I would suspect that a, a larger percentage of them have not only suicidal thoughts, but they, but they actually commit suicide uh, to a higher degree than, than is common with the general public. And the reason I have that theory is the bottom line is communism and Marxism and socialism offers no real hope. There's no real love of God. There's no real hope. There's no answers. There's no God. There's no genuine, authentic love. All there is is a dog-eat-dog world, and when push comes to shove, communist principles are built on uh, the Luciferian principles of the Illuminati, of the Masons, and many other secret occultic groups. And, and regular exposure to the teachings and the Antichrist spirit of these occultic groups produces a, a, a dismal, depressive state of mood, of mood. So yes, he was a communist. Now, other things happened. I began to notice that when I attended demonstrations, either at the University of Missouri or in Manhattan Central Park, or at massive outdoor rock and roll concerts, I began to see the disparity between the high-tech, high-powered, private jet, multi-million-million-dollar lifestyles of, of the rock stars who were driving, you know, $500,000 sports cars and packing out massive football or baseball stadiums as they performed uh, to their adoring fans. So you'd have that class of people, kind of the worker bee class, and then you'd have them juxtaposition with the the PSYOP, psychedelic revolution uh, arena that was going on. And then the other thing I observed was among select key leadership, I'm talking about, and I talk, I expose stuff that I've never exposed before in my book, Power From On High. So Ken Kesey, who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, was head of the Merry Pranksters. They drove a outrageously wild, psychedelic day-glow bus all over San Francisco to major rock concerts in San Francisco. They drove their day-glow bus to uh, uh, Grateful Dead concerts, and they would literally distribute for free millions of doses of high-powered LSD. People would drink the LSD out of, uh, you know, like a big metallic soup-type can, the military ones, and they'd get their little paper Dixie cup of, of LSD and that that LSD was like a lysergic acid diethylamide. That's the actual chemical name for LSD. LSD was a lysergic uh, diethylamide agent 
They would mass distribute it like like some form of maniacal mass uh, uh, you know, drinking of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Some kind of perver- some kind of perversion of communion, except that the blood of Jesus LSD was substituted. And they, um, what I didn't know at the time, and I explained it in my book because God had me. He, he covertly had me meet in terms of synchronicity many of the leaders and the movers and shakers of the counterculture, where I got all kinds of inside and secret information. And so when I met Ken Kesey in Central Park, they were given away free LSD. Uh, uh, the, the merry prankster, uh, Ken Kesey, who wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, he distributed the LSD, but what I didn't know until many years later was that Ken Kesey was secretly an agent for the deep state, for the Illuminati, that Ken Kesey distributed the LSD on a mass level to college students, to hippies, to counterculture people, that this was all part of a massive Illuminati satanic global plan to alter, transform, and change the consciousness of millions and millions of like hippies and 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 defragment them away from the plastic fantastic uh, materialistic judeo christian nine to five middle class American mindset they wanted to diffuse and detonate the American middle class mindset and and then they wanted the hippies to live in tents to live on hippie communal farms. They wanted the hippies to take acid, to make love. They wanted the hippies to retreat into uh, like a super psychedelic prepper lifestyle. They wanted the hippies to to be uh, living on communes, chanting home. And so the hippies represented a, a vastly sophisticated social engineering program developed by some of the world's greatest super geniuses. So the super geniuses that that created the counterculture were people like Sir Aldous Huxley, who wrote Brave New World, who created MKUltra and Scientific Mind Control, Ken Kesey, who was the author and guru of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, who distributed high-potency LSD uh, across the campuses in America through the Kool-Aid, who was the personal guru for the Grateful Dead and Jefferson airplane, then a later called Jefferson Starship. And so these counter, the whole idea by Huxley and Dr. Gregory Bateson, and Dr. Gregory Bateson, by the way, married the famous uh, uh, Nobel Prize winning anthropologist, Margaret Mead. She flew or took ship, uh, shipping vessels to remote islands uh, where they used film cameras and audio recording devices, and they would go deep into the jungles of these ancient primitive cultures. They would ingest the ancient ritualistic, powerful psychedelic herbs, herbs a thousand times more powerful than ayahuasca. And they would take these psychedelic drugs, alter their states of consciousness, communicate with spirit guides, and then, and then, they would uh, travel through the doors of perception, uh, and they would experience cosmic consciousness. And when Margaret Mead and Dr. Gregory Bateson were 
setting these things up, they specifically wanted to use film cameras to film thousands and thousands of villagers who were taking psychedelic drugs, thousands and thousands of villagers who uh, would uh, alter their states of consciousness and enter a tribal consciousness. And they wanted to facilitate that all across America and all across the world. They wanted the end of the linear American family, and they wanted to use psychedelic drugs, uh, uh, occultic meditation, and most of all, they wanted to hypnotically program themselves and others to enter a kind of super trance state. Because when they filmed the, the people on these remote islands, they were in a deep altered state of consciousness. They were in a deep flow state. They were in a deep trance state. And when they were living and breathing and walking and talking and functioning their lives within a super trance state, and the super trance state always corresponds with a particular HZ or Hertz frequency. So like, like you know, technological man in our time period, the inventors of computers and cybernetics and the entire electronic and digital revolution, the virtual reality revolution, the, the Great Reset, all of that swirls around the centrifugal force of filming and recording these psychedelic natives dancing and whipping themselves into a psychedelic altered state of consciousness frenzy that they were able to teach themselves how to do this on these ancient remote islands where, where going into a trance state was an essential part of their lifestyle. It's what held them together. And then they did studies which contrasted that with the American middle-class Judeo-Christian frame of consciousness, which is one which is heavily caffeinated, lots of black coffee, no psychedelic drugs whatsoever, uh, no... Uh, entrance into a trance state with the exception of, like, Catholics boozing it up or Catholics drinking heavily. And they involve themselves in a more mechanical, uh, highly organized structures. But Huxley and Margaret Mead and Dr. Gregory Batesman and, and all the other psychedelic visionaries, they believe that where America and the world had to go in order to survive is that they had to go into the, the deep altered states of consciousness that would theoretically make them one with the universe or one with your Christ consciousness on a deep neurological, psychological level. And that was their push. Their push was to radically transform mankind at every level through technology, through psychedelic drugs, through ritual, through trance, through electromagnetic frequencies that can function as trance states. They were gung-ho for all of that. The hippie culture was a, was a trial run in that direction. The hippie culture was a trial run in that direction. And then the next step was that they wanted, they wanted a mystical, uh, hedonistic, archetypical, psychedelic, global counterculture where eventually mankind would contact the star children, the star beings, and eventually mankind would contact the higher entities of cosmic consciousness and spread those truths out to the common man and woman on planet Earth. So we see that being played out. 
That's why at the time I majored in, specifically, I majored in altered states of consciousness at the University of Missouri. And I experimented with and studied and took psychedelic drugs. I also majored in filmmaking and directed and wrote some kind of really outrageous uh, documentary animation films at the University of Missouri. And all of this helped amplify my understanding of what was going on. So, in my book, Power From On High, I take the deepest dive that I've ever taken in my life, and I believe that in the contents of the book, Power From On High, I am sharing with you such electrifying, high-voltage truths that when you begin to assimilate them in your own mind and soul, they will, in effect, blow your mind and allow you to enter the New Age movement, the Higher Conscious movement, the Great Reset, uh, the, the Global Reset, and, and the Luciferian Order. That has been this silent psychedelic revolution goes all the way back to the Chaldeans. It goes all the way back to ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. It goes all the way back to the ancient flood of Noah. It goes all the way back in time to the Pharaoh God kings. And the reason they wanted to, the demonic powers, the fallen angels, the fallen angels that descended upon Mount Hermon, the reason they they were all being energized to, to persuade uh, a new psychedelic exodus into Eastern mysticism and into uh, uh, psychedelic consciousness and all the rest of those things. The reason they pushed people in that direction was they believed that it was only in that direction that mankind could find its secular salvation, so to speak. So the way it plays out, there's a cacophony going on on a global level. And here's how it's playing out. There's, there's the rebirth of the counterculture and the New Age and the psychedelic revolution, on one hand. Then, on the other hand, there is the rejection of heavily caffeinated, uh, the rejection of non-psychedelic materials, the ultra-promotion of centralized authority grids like the, like the Luciferian pyramid structures, like the like the uh, you know, all-seeing-eye Lucifer form of pyramids, and they're all pushing mankind, whether it's Freemasonry, whether it's the Thule Society, whether it's the Brilsus Force, whether it's Lucis Trust or Lucifer Trust uh, located on the grounds of the United Nations. Whatever it is, they're contacting spirit guides. They're, they're doing what Dr. John C. Lilly did, which I did. They're taking psychedelics, leaving their bodies, having OBE experiments, out-of-body experiences for experiments. And all of this is designed to jumpstart a new counterculture America. And you see that, that, that that kind of thing has materialized like a phoenix within the ashes of Burning Man out there in the raging hot desert. Burning Man is a spiritual pilgrimage. It's a new Mecca of the cybernetic psychedelic society. And it's designed to get people to, to alter their consciousness, become one with the universe, experience cosmic consciousness at a super high level, with the antici anticipation that when you enter those higher le levels of consciousness, you become, in an effect, 
what the U.S. military would term, you become a super soldier. You become super strong, super intuitive, super smart, and you begin to download the building blocks of the universe. I mean, this is revolutionary what's happening. Okay, so I, I take you with a deep dive like I've never done before in all of my books and power from on high. I take you on the most radical deep dive you could possibly get into. And remember, at the same time that this deep dive was being pursued, it was being pursued because it was being organized by men and women and gurus, etc., that wanted to capture the counterculture, and they wanted to create a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem based on occultic Luciferian principles. Okay, this is Paul McGuire. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. It's mandatory, not in the sense of you have to, you get to, you, you, you'll want to. Uh, Join us as we take a pilgrimage into truth, full blazing pilgrimage into the truth. So visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And we'll be back in just a nanosecond. This is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Okay, in my hand in the studio, I'm holding up a copy of one of the most powerful books I've ever written, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1. And then I have A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 2. <clears throat> Starting with A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1, this is, you've got to read it, period. And you've got to read it because it will give you knowledge, knowledge that will give you power. I don't waste time arguing with people because people, it's not because of force of personality. It's not because I'm strong-willed or aggressive. No, no, that's not it. People surrender to me in arguments. They would never call it surrendering, but they would sur they surrender to me in arguments because they know that I know what I'm talking about and that the people around me know that I know what I'm talking about. Therefore, for their own self-preservation, they are avoiding any kind of uh, debate with me because they don't want to be exposed as, as idiots. Now, I'm not saying you have to be so dramatic, but what I'm saying is when you have the reputation of being somebody who knows what they're talking about, that packs a punch. And guess what happens? The best offense is a good defense. So when people know that you know what you're talking about, they back off. And, and then what happens next is people will go in the direction, they'll accept the belief system, whatever the belief system is that you're promoting, they're going to accept it. And then that becomes the established norm. And that's how we take over a nation in a law-abiding and peaceful manner. This artificial consensus, this, this narrative that is based on complete fantasies, this is what has been ruling the collective perception of reality in America since the late 1800s. And it's got to go. It's got to be defe defeated for the sake of your children. All right, so I'm holding up my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America. When was this written? Let's look at the copyright date. You need to get yourself a copy today. And by the way, you can get Volume 1 and Volume 2, but you need to begin by getting a copy today. It's at a super discount at paulmcguire.us. Okay, so it was published, it came out in 2013, all right, uh, which was not all that long ago, but, but it's long enough to, to, for a lot of the world to change a whole bunch of times since then. Okay, so let's look at my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America. In this book, I'm quoting. Uh, a world-renowned occult expert whose name is 
Manly P. Hall. And he believed in this uh, this uh, Atlantean legend uh, that people like Sir Francis Bacon believed in, and many intellectuals and scientists and New World Order people believed in. And he believed that, uh, according to the Atlantean legend, uh, a New World Order is being birthed. Um, and he says this in his book, quote, the League. Now, he's speaking of a, a specific league which has a membership. It's an occultic league. It's an occultic league of wise men, okay? Um, and so the League of the Ten Kings is the cooperative commonwealth of mankind. So many ancient super-civilizations allegedly were ruled by ten kings, ten god-kings, or ten philosopher-kings. The legends of ancient Atlantis suggested that ancient Atlantis was ruled by just ten philosopher kings, and that these ten philosopher kings uh, ruled the masses. Um, okay, so, and that Atlantis originally, when it was doing things right, uh, the Atlantean legend perpetuates the archetype of the pattern of government which existed in ancient days but was destroyed by the selfishness and ignorance of men. And this is from Manley P. Hall's quote, America's Assignment with Destiny. What is interesting is that the book of Revelation predicts a coming one-world government ruled by ten kings under the Antichrist in the New World Order. And then there's copies of the book of Revelation uh, where there's scripture verses that talk about the Antichrist and scripture verses that talk about the false prophet. Um, those who propose that this kind of government often refer to it as an enlightened world government. Um, what is an enlightened world government? It takes a little digging, but the word enlightened is meant to describe a government free of religion, or as its proponents usually explain, a government free of religious persecution or superstition. Paul gave us the Masonic reasoning when he wrote the following in 1944 under the heading, The Democratic Tradition Preserved by, Se by Secret Societies. According to the research of David Flynn and Tom Horn, in their 1928, the occult visionary Manley P. Hall wrote, quote, Not only were many of the founders of the United States government Masons, but they received aid from secret a secret and august body existing in Europe, which helped them to establish this country for peaceful and peculiar and particular purposes, only known to the initiated view. And that's from Manly P. Hall's The Secret Teaching of All the Ages. Okay, so as I continue from my book and the quotes in my book, there exists, and the book is A Prophecy of the Future of America, there exists in the world today and has existed for thousands of years a body of enlightened humans united in what might be termed an order of the quest. It is composed of those intellectual and spiritual perceptions that revealed to them that civilization has a secret destiny. European, de European mysticism was not dead at the time of the United States of America was founded. The hand of the mysteries controlled the establishment of the new government and the signature of the new mysteries may still be seen on the great seal of the United States of America. Careful analysis 
of the seal discloses a mass of occult and Masonic symbols, chief among them the so-called American Eagle. The American Eagle upon the Great Seal is built, is is but an unconventionalized phoenix. Um, okay, the European mysticism Manly P. Hall was referring to was the existence of the Illuminati, which does exist and it still exists today, um, which came from the Rosicrucians along with many other occult secret societies. Then my subchapter is going deeper into the secret occult plan for America and the world. In the 16th century, Sir Francis Bacon was the head of the numerous secret societies, including the Rosicrucians of England. Francis Bacon wrote in the New Atlantis that he believed that America was really Atlantis. Francis Bacon mapped out his vision to build a perfect society for the new world order. Bacon was supposedly carrying out secure orders from the ancient occult teachings and other spirit guides. He was the chief of the Rosicrucians and the first Grand Master of Freemasonry. Although the names of these ancient secret societies have been changed many times throughout history, many of the original teachings remain. The Rosicrucians became the Illuminati, and it appears Sir Francis Bacon's occult plan is still secretly guiding America today. Many of the American founding fathers were strong Bible-believing Christians who were profoundly impacted by the First Great Awakening, which was a powerful Christian revival that rocked the 13 original colonies. The influence of the Bibles is all over our Declaration of Independence, Constitution, and Bill of Rights, which gives us the freest and most unique system of government in the history of the world. However, there was a great spiritual battle for the heart and soul of America that is still going on today. And I could continue reading. Let me just read these quotes in my book. The forces of Lucifer. The Illuminati was officially formed by Adam Weishaupt in 1776, the same year America became a nation. The term Illuminati means illumined ones, which refers to men and women who have received supernatural revelation from Lucifer, whose name means the light bearer. Um, the satanic elite and the architecture of evil. Many of our founding fathers who claimed to be Christians were actually members of the Illuminati. The architectural symbolism all over Washington, D.C. is Illuminati and Freemasonic symbolism. For example, according to the historical legend of Nimrod and his wife, Semiramis, who built the Tower of Babel and created Babylon, there is a deep meaning behind the architectural symbols, such as the Washington Monument and the rest of the nation's capital. The Washington Monument is a phallic symbol and the capital of the symbol of a womb. This is repeated in Egypt and in many other cultures. All right, so then we continue, and we see at the beginning of our nation, we had a clash of worldviews. Many of our founding fathers had to varying degrees of biblical worldview. Others were deists, and many were part of the, of the secretive Illuminati. The Rosicrucian movement forces its roots all the way back to a Nephilim leader called Nimrod at the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel in Babylon was to be the capital of the first one world government, one world economic system, and one world religion. All right, the critical thing here is we're, we're talking about this spiritual occultic revolution in 1776. But if we flash forward to the exact present moment, this new world order has been reborn. And the new name for the New World Order 
is the Great Reset. And the Great Reset consists of a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system, headed up by a guy named Nimrod. So this is, these are the secret Luciferian societies that exist, flourish, and lie behind all of the external physical societies in America. Now, the final statement here, and then we're going to blow open the biggest amount of evidence possible. The day is come and the day is also over where we begin to perceive, we continue to perceive our reality in a limited perception form. In other words, if we're, if we're processing our reality as something less than what it is, if we're processing our reality as some kind of mundane physical dimension, then we have failed. Our reality should be the collective imagination, science, technology, and disciplines that are flowing together to build this new world order or this great reset. This same thing is going along right now in the world right now, all over planet Earth, at uh, uh, Olympic sports games, at um, sports festivals, and, and outdoor basketball, and football, and baseball, and all of that, and rock concerts, and theater productions. You see over and over and over again, repetitively, all these hardcore, occultic, new world order symbols. And they are symbols that are designed to facilitate communication between Lucifer or Satan and uh, the Illuminati and other spiritual entities. Now, what God wants us to know is that we're, we are the people that he's called to live and exist at the end of the age. That's profound. We are in the age right before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so as people who are alive and well at the end of the age, we all have been given a mission or an assignment from God to successfully complete that mission, that, that mission or assignment from God. That is our, our final marching orders. And so in the process of fulfilling our final marching orders, we are to take all the supernatural power, the scientific power, the medical power, the technological power, all the power at our disposal, we are to utilize that, we are to take that, reshape it, remanufacture it, and in a sense, without being you know, vulgar, we, we are to weaponize it. So, for example, the study of human persuasion can be used for good or evil. Uh, the study and practice of occultism can be used for good or evil. And so in our time, technology is rocketing into a completely different dimension. We, because of the transhumanists, are on the precipice of stepping out into a multidimensional world that is existent uh, uh, affirmatively upon our creation, our platform. So we're building a collective society. Uh, a collective society that, that infuses us theoretically with things like brotherhood. And then we are to maximize our acquisition and understanding of technology and sciences and related fields. And then as we do that, we are to function at the highest level that God intended for us to function. And by that I mean we are to function in complete synergistic harmony with spiritual weapons, natural weapons, psychological forces, spiritual forces, and occultic forces. 
And as we knit all those uh, forces together, we then take the next step, which is to apply the aggressive influence that we have experienced in the world of uh, occult belief systems. We're to we're to, to to borrow what is useful out of the occult belief systems and completely take back the land that Satan and the evil one has stolen from us. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Be sure to visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Remember, right now we're in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. Right now, the whole world is trembling on the precipice of nuclear warfare, biological warfare, chemical warfare. Right now, the world is convulsing with the labor pains of a, of a woman uh, about ready to give birth uh, to a young child. Right now, all of this is happening. So our responsibility is to answer the call of God, to, to equip our knowledge and understanding, and then finally walk forward step by step by faith and utilize and borrow and compound one upon another an intensity and an exponential outgrowth of higher intellectual, higher spiritual, and higher theological belief systems that ultimately, in order for them to be true, must be based on biblical truth. And together with that, we can move forward and take our world back for Jesus Christ. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Remember to ask the Lord, Lord, how much would you have me give Paul McGuire Ministries and Paradise Mountain Church? And whatever it is that God puts on your heart, radically obey him and give everything that God told you to give. And whatever God puts on your heart to give, obey him and do it. And as you do it, you will notice that he will function to you according to the law of reciprocity, which means simply, as you sow, so shall you reap. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire.